1: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favourite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
2: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
3: Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Now, here's Chris Plank.
4: All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. On a Tuesday, it's the game plan live. That's not Toby Roll.
3: Not Toby Roll.
4: Sorry to disappoint everybody. It's Chad this week. McKee, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, making his podcast debut in 2021. We figured we'd save the best for last. Uh, yeah, uh, but t- I mean,
3: I, I'll take that as I, I'm fine with that, but you don't really mean that.
4: No, I mean it. I absolutely do. Uh, and Toby is out, but he's actually going to be back tonight for Rudy's and both of the shows this evening. So you'll get plenty of T-Row analysis with the huddle and the Lincoln Rally Coaches show tonight. Man, what a, what a week to recap and I mean, we're going to take your questions off Facebook, and that's one of the great things about being live. So hit us up in the comments section. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. But, Chad, they went out and they took care of business against Iowa State, and they were able to do it despite not the best passing performance from this offense.
3: No. Um, complimentary football, we've talked about it all season long. How often are they going to play complimentary football? They haven't all that many times this season, let's be honest about it. But they did enough to win. I can't help but think about Caleb Williams and the difference he has made with his feet this year. Agreed. And how many times he has done it. 74-yard touchdown run. Sooners are down 7 to nothing at that point in the game. And I know it's really early, but kind of stalled out offensively. And boom, there he goes. Just like when he came in in the Texas game. Just like fourth and one against Kansas. His ability to do this is a game changer. And honestly, you say it, it might be the pass game. He and Spencer Rattler, probably pretty similar. Sure. But it's his ability to do this right here. Absolutely. That's been the difference maker when the offense has absolutely had to have
4: it. You know, um, the interesting part of this is how successful they were when they seemed to commit to the run. And that's not to say, obviously, that Lincoln Riley wasn't committed to it. But he talked about, you know, calling different things and putting Caleb Williams in better situations. I don't know, Chad, outside of the final – they had the football, when they went three and out, I felt like they were able to run the ball pretty effectively about whenever they wanted yeah, on did, Saturday. You almost,
3: did you feel like they left a little meat on the bone sure. when it came to the run game to a certain extent? Um, and, and they had, you know, Robert Conjol in there in the middle yeah. of the offensive line. Eric Swenson played a little bit. It sounds like they're going to be completely healthy for Bedlam, which is a great deal, but it's nice to have all those different pieces available that they have that they can plug and play on the offensive line. But I'm with you. Uh, Kennedy Brooks, that was Maybe his second best day of the season. I felt sure. like with the consistency and the ability to just hand the ball off to him. All right, me being an old notepad guy, here's one thing I got. That I got to me. Right. Of, I don't even. I've got so many notes and papers. I don't know if you ask me something, I won't be able to find what I, I need.
4: This is what an old man I am. I went through on. Do you um, need glasses right. to read that? I actually then you're not that old. I wrote it big enough to where I wouldn't mean my readers or my cheaters or whatever you want to call them. Uh, the Sooners average down and distance against. Baylor on third down. Their average third down distance was third and eight. Mm-hmm. On Saturday against Iowa State, it was also third and eight. But I dug a little deeper um, <laughs> because that's, that's how I rolled. Race. Right. Uh, they were just one of ten on third downs coming off a two-for-nine game the week before. Um, but it's it was interesting because their average second down distance was second and seven. Yeah. So they got to be better on first down, Chad. And and their third down conversion percentage, if you were just to use the last two weeks, would be the worst in the country by far. UConn is at 227 with .227 on their third down conversion. Oklahoma just .157. So I'm getting all the negatives out of the way right now to say they've got to be better on first down.
3: Yeah, I I agree with you. I I completely agree with you. But I will say this. I bet if you go back and look over the course of things since Lincoln Riley got to Oklahoma – I would bet you that um, the greatest percentage of their explosive plays happened on second down. Mm -hmm. And if you're making explosive plays in particular in the passing game on second down, you don't notice not being great on first down. Right, A second and seven, a second and eight, but when you have the explosive wide receiver play that they've had in the past D.D. Westbrook, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, C.D. Lamb on down the list and on down the list. And, I, and I'm not trying to, uh, you know, speak poorly. It just hasn't happened this year. I, I completely agree with you. you Got to be in a better position on third down. If you're in third down and seven, third down and eight against Oklahoma State's defense this week, you're in for a miserable day yeah, because be they are as good as anybody in the country outside of Georgia at getting off the field when they have a third down and long. But I'm with you. If you're better on first down, it makes second and third down a lot easier. Just the explosive plays are not there on second and third down right now with this
4: team. I love that drive. It was a six-play drive that was all running the football That's the the one we've
3: been looking for this season, the one
4: to put a team away almost, hasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you thought in that moment they would be able to. But, you know, credit Iowa State. This is a team that's not a joke, man. I mean, they – They haven't been blown out in any of their games this season, nor were they about to on Saturday. Um, That's a tough team, and they hadn't given up a lot of sacks this year, and the Sooners live in the backfield. So, uh, real quick, one final thought on the Oklahoma offense. I'm really excited, by the way, with the matchup, the OU receivers against the OSU corners. We'll get to it a little bit later Mm -hmm. on. I think the Sooners can have some success there, but, uh, again, we'll, we'll preview that coming up in just a bit. Okay. Defensively. Speed D. If you're like, okay, I'm tired of hearing about third down struggles. Let's talk about where the Sooners excel. Everyone's healthy, everyone's back, and oh Chatter, they look in the part right now with this defense. They lived in the backfield Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, you get seven sacks. Isaiah Thomas, you know what having Jalen Redman healthy has done for the defense is two things. He's a super productive player. And it's made Isaiah Thomas better mm-hmm. since, since Jalen Redmond came back. Oh my gosh! Look, at, listen, just if you if you play quarterback, don't turn back to the middle of the field like <laughs> that. There are gigantic men like Perion Winfrey waiting there to behead you, for all intents and purposes. But yeah, I mean, health along that along that defensive line is is a key ingredient. Jalen Redmond being out made everybody less effective. Not just not having Jalen Redmond's production in there. So uh, I'm with you. And then how fitting is it Pat Fields, his interception, senior day, all he's meant to this defense the last three or four years, he's able to seal it. Having DeLarian Turner yell back and healthy for what the last three games has really helped him. And Chris, they're forcing a lot of turnovers. They are now plus nine in turnover margin. They In fumble recoveries, this play right here, which you could argue changed the complete complexion of the game right before the end of the half, the scoop and score, the hit by Key Lawrence. They are a plus 10 in fumble recoveries alone this year.
4: They had already set a mark, I want to say, like two or three games into the season, matching their fumble recoveries from the previous two years. And as Alex Grinch has taught us, takeaways equal victory. And this team had, gosh, three, two... I I say they had three turnovers, takeaways. They forced Chad. Two of them were game changers, and one of them was a game saver. There's your game saver, the fumble (laughs) recovery that we saw before the half, the 6-6. That was a game changer because that changed all the momentum in that game. And, you know, you're going into Saturday night now against a team that I think is playing some of its best defense in Oklahoma. Against the team, Chad, that has surprisingly wait, turned the corner defensively. Wait, wait in Oklahoma a minute, State.
3: That, this is bedlam, and the defenses. The, this isn't the Iron Bowl. It seems wild. We're talking it? about the defenses, and, and rightly so. Remember, you got statistically the number one offense in the Big Twelve in Oklahoma, and the number one defense in the Big Twelve in Oklahoma State, and everybody's surprised about Oklahoma State's defense this season under Jim Knowles. Perhaps we shouldn't be, given all of the veteran presences that they have. I mean, Jarek Bernard, Converse, and the guys back in the secondary, Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper, the two linebackers, they just go tackle people. And more than anything – Teddy talks about this all the time, all the time. We always see when there's a bust. You know, they, they highlight things when there's a bust. This guy was out of position. He was in the wrong gap. He was not in the right spot. We don't see plays where, where they diagnose him on TV and they go, see this? All 11 guys are in the exact right <laughs> spot defensively. We never see that. You know, right. it's like with offensive linemen. We don't see their great plays. We just see when they get a penalty. But when guys line up in all the right spots, you are good defensively. They don't bust Oklahoma State, at least not very often, because they've got veteran guys over there who know where they're supposed to be because they've been through 80 snaps a game for three straight seasons on that side of the ball. So they're very good. Malcolm Rodriguez is an Oklahoma kid. He has a chance to lead the Big 12 in tackles this year. And the other thing about it is when they get to you, they get you on the ground. Another thing Teddy says, it's a catch and a tackle there are not a lot of yards after contact against Oklahoma State's defense. Which is exactly
4: what Oklahoma did on Saturday night against Iowa State. Exactly. You think about Brees Hall and what the Sooners held him in that running game too, it's pretty amazing. But for this instance, we're talking about Oklahoma State's defense and Malcolm Rodriguez was not a semifinalist for the Butkus Award, but it showed you how impressive he's been is that there's legit outrage across the Big 12 that he wasn't beyond just fans. Of the pokes, and I'll add one more thing on this Oklahoma State defense before we get back to the Sooner offense. Is there there's some plays to be had? I think they they're not afraid to to get after you and leave their corners on an island. Mm-hmm. But this is this is what's going to be interesting to see this year. And I know Lincoln Riley was asked about it today at his press conference. But they they disguise things well. You know, they change the picture on you quite a bit. This is my amateur X and owing here, Chad, from hanging out with Gabe. <laughs> I'm right and, with you. And Teddy all the time. And it's it's going to be very challenging because it's completely different than what you've seen the last two weeks, mm-hmm. right? And, and what you saw from Baylor and, and Iowa State, which is, the umbrella defense, Oklahoma State—they they don't do that, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a much different look for Caleb Williams on Saturday night. And,
3: and their guy—they can do that because their guys get to the quarterback. They they just do. They're, they're front four, they're front six, front seven. If you want to, you know, throw in the the rover player, whatever you want to call him, but they get to the quarterback effectively. The other thing that that is going to be a big factor in this game. And it's happened with Oklahoma State a lot this year. They don't get penalized at the defensive back position very often. And, you know, you can go into a game, you can get penalized five times for pass interference. The next game you don't get penalized any. It's a very subjective call. I think that is super important in this game. What are the penalty flags going to be like? Is they going to to let them be physical? Because if they let them be physical with Oklahoma's wide receivers, that plays into Oklahoma State's hands. They've got physical guys, and that's what they like to do, as you said. They like to get up, press coverage, man coverage, and if you can beat their guys over the top, then you're just going to beat them. But we'll see about the penalty flags.
4: You guys are great questions. I'm going to get to them all, but I love this from Terry Blacketer, who, who just dropped in. Uh, we need to watch the not-very-smart penalties, OU. And, yes. And she's she's right because that's been a problem. You, you go back even to Saturday, mm-hmm. and I, I rewatched the game last night. You think about the horse-collar tackle on Brian Osamoa mm-hmm. on that first drive. That, that drive's over if that doesn't happen. You think about, you know, getting yourself – you know, I, I brought up this, you're in second and seven is your average second-down distance. There was a lot of good gains on first down that are brought back because – of an offensive penalty or a hold. I mean, it's just – there's a, it's not a massive number of penalties that were called on Saturday night. But, Chad, you know, it's to the point to where you, you look back, it was only six for – no, that's uh, – uh, what, nine. nine well, it, 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 the problem is they seem to come at inopportune times.
3: Yeah. With yeah. the
4: penalties after either negating a big game or whenever you're getting off the field defensively.
3: You know, when, when we were playing these games in the Big 12 conference that were 52 to 49 final scores – Penalties didn't make that big of a difference. Texas Tech always led the Big 12 Conference in penalties, and they always had the most explosive offense. So they were able to overcome those. But we're playing these games that are more low-scoring, fewer possessions equals fewer plays. And so when you get behind the chains, it's just more and more difficult for you to try to get back out in front of those chains. So, yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. When do the penalties happen and how costly a you know, a offsides penalty on uh, first down puts you behind the chains, but it's not as bad as a holding penalty on second down and nine that puts <laughs> you in second down and forever. And, and what's
4: wild is to Terry's question. And I think it was a big problem against Baylor. They seem to correct it, but, I was blown away. I was looking down the box score quickly. There was only four penalties that were called Mm -hmm. on the Sooners on Saturday night. It just seemed as if all four were just at inopportune times. And real quick, for those of you on the Facebook side, you see the schedule. This is what we've been counting down to all season long. This November stretch, obviously a tough loss in Waco, and now you know you're in a situation to where everything is still out in front of you with Oklahoma State
3: this weekend. Um, well, it, I mean, look at it just real briefly. Right. You can take number 22 away from Texas, obviously, given that, what has happened. Unfortunately, you don't have yes. a ranked win until this week right. if you're Oklahoma. So, from that vantage point. You are sitting here with your two best wins this season yet to come if you can beat Oklahoma State twice. Now, college football playoff rankings, is it a long shot? Maybe, but maybe not for the Sooners, Chris, right. because pending where the rankings fall on Tuesday night, Oklahoma State's going to be number six or seven in the rankings. You get a win over them, then it's play huge. Oklahoma State the next week when they're potentially number 10, number 11. Those are your two best wins of the season. Absolutely. A lot of your sins will be forgiven with two wins over what's what's become a very – Oklahoma State being respected this much really, really helps Oklahoma's yeah, absolutely. cause. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Now, tonight, I'm just going to make this prediction right now, and we don't have enough time in this podcast to sit here and go through it, and some of you might be – catching this podcast on the actual podcast side
3: well after these rankings <laughs> yeah, have So dropped. these rankings yeah So so what I what I lay mean, We know in, Oregon's not going to be number right, 3 but, that's but, the only thing I know for sure
4: Here's my prediction I think Ohio State moves up to number 2 tonight Alabama 3 and I think they're going to put Michigan at 4 I think they're going to put Cincinnati
3: in at number 4 just to set the world on fire
4: well, I really do Here's I, this committee has shown a flair for kind of the drama of it. Which is why I
3: think they'll put Cincinnati. Oh, really? Yeah.
4: See, because I think they would be building up the Ohio State-Michigan matchup.
3: Well, that would help. Um, right. Is that on
4: that game on Fox? That game is, that is on Fox. End? Okay. So well, here, the, the
3: ranking show's on ESPN, so, so I don't m- know.
4: Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I'll tell you what. Um, I would not be surprised one bit if they keep Cincinnati at five. And then here's what's interesting about tonight. Boy, I'm really. I said I wasn't going to go all in on this, and here we
3: go. <laughs> We've shoved the chips into the middle of the where, table.
4: Where does Oklahoma end up, and does Oklahoma State jump Notre Dame?
3: Because if Oklahoma I think State, Oklahoma State does jump Notre Dame, right? I mean, they shut out Texas Tech. When's the right. last time at home? When's the last time Texas Tech was shut out at home? the 1990s sometime it had to be even before then probably, i mean no, right? it was before mike leach got there i promise you which everything, was in the 1990s everything in the
4: 90s which is like a couple of years ago to me so it's like um, i got to realize like well too. that was like i mean the
3: 88 bedlam ago. game gaddis versus sanders is like <laughs> yesterday to me the 85 game the ice bowl as well
4: yeah but here's the thing is if alabama stays at two tonight mm-hmm. i think we need to start preparing ourselves that there's a really good chance that a two-loss Alabama is going to get in if they lose to Georgia. I I agree. If what Ohio State has done this last two weeks doesn't elevate them to two – then I think we need to start preparing ourselves that a two-loss Bama is getting in.
3: Yeah, and, and in, that that situation, why, why are, in that situation, why, are we even, why do we even concern ourselves with the results of these games? Yeah, you absolutely. Know, it's just let's look at the recruiting rankings and who's going to have the most NFL draft picks and put them in the playoff. All
4: right, a lot of good questions here on Twitter. I want to hit them before we get out of here. Uh, this is a really good point from Vinny on Twitter. He says, Caleb's a freshman. Mm. There's tape now for these good coaches to review, and it's showing. He'll be fine. But, unfortunately, it's part of the maturity process of a young
3: quarterback. I, I love that. And that's, that's, point, a, that's a great point. And, and Lincoln Riley in the press conference on uh, Tuesday brought something up. You know, it's they're still learning about each other, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are. When, when we look back, we've gotten so spoiled with quarterback play from the get-go that we see these. Remember, Baker Mayfield struggled his first season until the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. But but let's recall this, okay? We saw Spencer Rattler in his true freshman season last year, and there were highs and there were lows. A lot like what we've seen with Caleb Williams. Remember, the three predecessors, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, we did not see their freshman seasons in college Because they were played at another place. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield was playing at Texas Tech. We saw a little bit of that following Texas Tech when he was there. We didn't see Kyler Murray's freshman season, or at least that much of it, and he got put on the bench at Texas A&M. We didn't see them go, and we didn't see that much of Jalen Hurts because we were watching Oklahoma play for the most part instead of Alabama. But they all had growing pains. We just didn't necessarily see those growing pains. We are seeing the growing pains that Caleb Williams is going yeah,
4: through. Yeah, and it's funny. You hit it on the head. Go talk to Texas Tech people about kind of that first year of Baker Texas A&M people about that first year of Kyler or even I think Alabama almost won a national championship Jalen's mm-hmm. freshman mm-hmm. year. But there were still growing pains along yeah. the way. And, you know, we're seeing that play out right now. Not everyone bursts onto the scene like Trevor Lawrence because not everyone has – Cleland Farrell and uh, Tra- Trayvon Mullen. ATN and, 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 and all of those guys. Yeah, I mean, so it's just kind of a different world whenever you try to compare freshman quarterbacks. Um, hey, listen, there's a couple more here that I want to get to before we get out of here. Willie had, had brought up a, a really good point. He lays out, OU's offense just needs to be electric this game, too much talent not to be explosive, and it's as healthy as we've been all year. Now, I would counter that by saying, DJ Graham doesn't seem to be healthy, Mm -hmm. right? He goes out with the injury on Saturday. He is a key part of this defense. And I won't lie to you, I was shocked and and pumped whenever Lincoln talked about everyone being available uh, on the offensive side of the football after watching the way that Andrew Rame got rolled up and hearing Gabe's reaction to it. So Gabe Eichert was down there watching it. When I heard that, Chad, that fired me up because A, you know, Andrew Rame has been an important part of this offense, and B, you know, I, I know that. Eric Swinson came in and did well. I know Robert Conjol came in and did well. But in what he and Anton Harrison bring athletically, I think they need those kind of dudes on the line Saturday night.
3: And, and it may be that they have to use all of them. Right. No oh, matter they're who they're is probably healthy. going to. You know, just, just to switch things up. But yeah, that, to be able to have Mario Williams back, obviously he is a difference maker. He has become the most explosive wide receiver on the football team. Uh, DJ Graham, I, I think Lincoln's comment on, and, and I hope I'm not wrong on this, but I think it was questionable. Questionable. question yep. whether or not he will be able to play. He's a difference maker. And even if uh, he, you, you want to have everybody in a game like this because they might all have to play. I, I think a couple of other guys, Key Lawrence's emergence, He's been he great. had a huge game. He's you been know, great. To, to be able to, and, and part of it was with injuries, they had to move him around a little bit, but they've gotten him in there. He's gotten his feet wet in this thing, and he was a huge difference maker forcing the fumble. Had that big sack for about an 18 yard loss in the game. So, yeah, the, the bye week came at the right time. They got most of their guys healthy, Mm -hmm. headed into the three toughest games that they're going to play all season long. And now here you are. You you know, you go out and uh, try to be electric on Saturday. What's interesting about it is. Uh, Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State quarterback, he made a lot of mistakes his first three seasons. He's not making as many mistakes. They have figured out, and and they have the luxury of allowing him to do that, Chris, because of how well their defense is playing. He doesn't have to go out and try to force the ball into places that he shouldn't. He's playing well. Jalen Warren's running the football very, very well for them, and they've just kind of figured it out. But that's what having a good defense has done for Oklahoma State. It has allowed their offense to manage the game a little bit more
4: yeah and uh I, I like the idea from mark burns just win baby wish Amen. the man who coined that i wish his nfl team was doing that as well too mm, you've, and then mark you've
3: got your where's your pad you've got your um, yeah my raiders yeah you've got pad. your mouse pad back i'm thinking about raiders ripping it pad. in half right now
4: that's okay um uh, mark uh why don't we play more running backs let's throw the ball to the tight end more let's remember we just get marcus major back and mm-hmm. you know he ran the ball hard against texas tech but did put the ball on the turf that's a big no-no. Yeah, that's going
3: to find you on the side. Yeah,
4: uh, but I, I think he's got a chance to be someone that can help out. Throwing the ball to the tight end,
3: uh, it's get, they didn't get a chance to throw the ball too terribly much on Saturday. Well, how many and more plays did Iowa State run? I'm, I meant to look that up before we did this. Well, I we've
4: we've got I, I've got the the scorebook here in front of me, and because I don't, this is where you can't Iowa make State fun of me. ran
3: thirty-four more plays than Oklahoma.
4: They had the football for a whole quarter more, yeah, essentially, than Oklahoma did. And then um, Kevin had asked, "Is Theo Wees available this week?" Well. Coming up this week on Coach's Corner, Dennis Simmons is our guest. Oh, so
3: you're going to get the definitive word there.
4: I'll get the definitive word for you. Spoiler alert, we taped it already. He feels like he's good to go. Nice. So we'll, we'll hopefully see him more. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun this Saturday night to watch these two teams Do you have a favorite
3: out. Bedlam memory, favorite Bedlam game? You know, you're, you've been a Tulsa guy since right? you were a, so a wee toddler.
4: I so started, I started covering OU and OSU football in 99 hmm. was my first year. And – My first year on the sidelines was 11, and I try to forget that game every single day. But the 13 (laughs) game, when oh you went back down there, and the throw by Blake Bell in the corner of the end zone, that was great, being on the sidelines with Dusty and and, and Teddy, and there's a great shot after the fake field goal of Dusty and I celebrating on the sidelines, and they were Mm -hmm. like, oh, no. Uh, I can't remember the kick. Michael Honeycutt just got blasted. Is he okay? You see us going over there and trying to help him. But, you know, there's so many little things about this series that I love. Right? I I love – I think it was then 14 where OU clinched the big – the year, maybe 16, when they clinched the Big 12 championship on their home field and and to celebrate on the field. I think 14 was then the walk-off by Brennan Clay. There's just been some great moments in this – hold on. I brought up 14. That's not the walk-off I That's not the walk-up. Don't
3: don't don't bring up
2: Tyreek um, Hill.
4: No, not at all. But 12. 12 was the walk off I just this series, chat, I love so I didn't mention 18 minutes there and our, our 18 plays there. And I didn't even bring up the Baker Mayfield block whenever Joe Mixon had his touchdown. Yeah. You went as a kid, you were actually at the ice bowl. I was at bowl. the
3: ice bowl in 1985. We had uh, we slipped and slided our way up highway 177 <laughs> from Shawnee to Stillwater. And at halftime, my poncho froze to my seat, to my bleacher seat. And when I got up, it tore off of me. So that was the end of the day for me. Uh, 88 game is still a classic to me. And I'm, man, I'm really showing people how old I am. But you can see the gray hair, so you're probably aware of that already. Coach Switzer called Mike Gaddis, the late Mike Gaddis, the greatest running back he ever recruited out of the state of Oklahoma. And in 1988, he went up against the Heisman winner, Barry Sanders, in one of the all-timers. It was a game that Oklahoma State had a chance to win. A wide receiver dropped the pass in the end zone. His name has gone on in infamy among Oklahoma State fans. But that was an absolute classic. And I had bought a student ticket. You had to have a student ID to get into the game. I was in high school, so I didn't have one. (laughs) I bum-rushed the ticket gate and got in to watch that game from the end zone up at old uh, Lewis Field. Statue of limitations
4: up on that. Yeah, I
3: certainly hope so. You know, I've done far worse, though, to get into a football (laughs) game. By the way, uh, real quick, before we let you get out of here, Vinny asks
4: a good question. What do you like more, OU football podcasts or MLF?
3: Oh, Major League Fishing or, I mean, come on. That's like choosing your favorite child. You know, I can't. Want to make I, sure. I can't do that. There's only one right of, answer. The, the podcast has been great today. Right now, it's the podcast.
4: It's by far the longest podcast we've ever Is done it for really? that. I'm, I'm very too worried. sorry. I know it's that been means great. It's time I'm to go. very sorry, Craig Morant. All right, it's uh, my fault. No, no you just blame me Thanks, for being here. This Chad week. and I got like three TV shows we're doing yeah, we together got today. One. So we got another one. Another one coming And then I'm doing volleyball
3: tonight and basketball tomorrow. So oh my gosh, 9 a.m. Saturday. No,
4: what am I saying? It's not an 11 a.m. kick. 4:30 p.m. Saturday night, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. For those of you on the podcast side, the Lincoln Riley Press Conference is now.
5: Uh, But Welcome, everybody. Uh, Excited week. Uh, Another uh, episode of of Bedlam, and as it's become uh, here in a lot of the years that I know that I've been here, it's a a game with a a lot of important things riding on it. Um, So that's uh, that's what makes it more fun. There's no question about it. These rivalry games are always great, but when you've you know, when you got two good football teams that are going at it with a lot at stake, uh, makes it even better. So um, excited about the opportunity to, to get down to Stillwater um, play a, play an outstanding Oklahoma State team playing at a high level. Their coaches have done a phenomenal job with these guys. a lot of guys um, uh, a lot of guys returning um, that, have, that have improved and are, are really playing at a high level. They've been a really consistent club uh, the majority of the year, especially the back half here. So um, we know it'll be a big challenge. Uh, we're excited for it. Uh, should be a great game Saturday night. Um, excited about the way, uh, again, that kind of we responded, and I think really built some momentum last week. I think you could feel that with the guys this week, and and uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just kind of how you you start to begin the season. This is kind of how you draw it out. Kind of hope what you hope would happen that, that a game like this would have so much riding on it, and it is because both teams have had tremendous seasons. So um, should be a lot of fun.
6: Like, how do you prepare your guys for just that stadium, with how close the fans are and the short sidelines and things like that? Is that something you have to talk to them about or prepare them
5: for? Uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about it in the past. I mean, we, we give them a quick overview of you know, every stadium that we that we play in and you know surface and kind of all of that. So it's it's discussed. But I mean, I I don't. I don't honestly feel like that the, the size of it is that much of a factor. I mean, you get down there and, yeah, you walk around pregame and the sidelines are tied and all that. But once you get in the game, I mean, it's, if, I mean, it's a good atmosphere and, and, and it's, a, it's a tough place to play. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I don't know that the, how narrow it is um, really affects the game much. So uh, we make them aware. But, you know, it's kind of like the old Hoosiers deal, right, and still measure it out, tape measure still going to be the same. Uh, I, I would say for us, I mean, it's it, one. It's a rivalry game that you go play on the road. I mean, this is different than, you know, different in a lot of ways than, than OU Texas, where that's a you know, this one being a home and home, and yeah, you get to play one at home, but then you go play one on the road. And obviously, we know their 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 fans crowd all that'll be geared up for it, like they have been every time that we've been there, and like our crowd is when they come here. So I mean, it's uh it's a little bit different atmosphere there, but it's a no, it's a great stadium. Um, fans are into it, students are into it. It's a fun place to play.
6: a lot goes into rivalry games, regardless of the circumstances with the teams. Mm. It, it, with the success that, that your team's had, both uh, short-term and, and long-term in this series, does that help going into this, and can it be a, a double-edged sword, just sort of psychologically
5: with your guys? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it just is what you make of it, you know? I mean, I think we can... I think we can take a confidence that we've, you know, prepared well and been able to play well in this game uh, historically. But the flip side of that is, if we think that alone is going to allow this team to do that, then we'll be mistaken. Um, you've got a, you know, a lot of respect for this opponent, and you've got to prepare at a high level. You got to play at a high level. You got to do it in a road venue. Um, you have to handle all that well. Uh, past teams have been able to do it, but this team. This team's got to go do it, and we've got to prepare that way. We've got to play that way on Saturday. Um, so um, as far as like how much time we spend on it, talk about it, honestly, not a whole lot. Uh, try to keep it more about here and now, uh, because ultimately, that's what's going to get it done. Eric Bailey. Mm-hmm. Lincoln,
1: in the game, like this coming come in the premium. I want to ask you about your special teams, your kickers. Gabe Berkic, he's struggling a little bit now. What do you do to just kind of work him through this? He's had so much success in the past. And then also Michael Turk, just the, his ability to flip field, we saw that on Saturday.
5: Just talk about your kickers in this game. Yeah, Gabe would be great. I mean, no other kicker I'd rather go into the, a game like this with. So I mean, that's when you do that for a living, you're going to miss some every now and then. And uh, and he's uh, he's he's made made his share, and he'll he'll make them on Saturday night. Um, yeah, Michael's been great for us. You know, he's really got this back half of the season. I think he's really settled in and and uh, hit the ball at a high level. Um, you know, our coverage teams have done a good job, you know, where our net pond has been, has been pretty solid. And that's been, that's been important. We upset a bunch of big ones there the other day. So um, no, it is. You're right, the, the special teams always show up. And in this game, it always seems like there's, there's a couple of big special teams plays. I know historically, that's been the case for a lot of these games. And so um, yeah, no, certainly when two high quality teams go at it, a lot of times it can be a differentiating factor.
2: cus the season, finding out like what his strengths are at this point and
5: how much he can still handle i, I think we're we're both still in the like we're kind of feeling each other out right now period um, you know we've had we've had some games where we've played just we and he have just played lights out we've had some games where we have been good at times and not good at times um, I think again as you go through these different experiences you 're learning i mean you know, for for him, I mean he's he's just now hitting kind of the halfway point of his first season, you know, and you're you're playing kind of a run here of fairly experienced defenses. Um this one maybe the I don't know, that trying to think all the years. I don't know if I've ever played a, a more experienced or senior heavy defense than the one that we'll play Saturday night. Um and so, yeah, but we're we're learning and, and honestly even with varying degrees of results, whether we've played great and scored a bunch of points or we've just played okay and scored a few points. I, I, and I think I think he would echo the same thing. We can see the progress and we can see why our starting connect and results will continue to come more consistently as that happens. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, he's doing a lot of good. I'm learning more and more kind of his rhythm, his ways, you know, kind of what he likes, what he doesn't like as you get into these new situations. And so we'll, We'll continue to, to be better for each other.
1: Jesse then. hey
5: Lincoln. Um, obviously, this game on Saturday is kind of unique because Oklahoma State's already made it to the Big 12 title game, and you guys got to play to get in. If you win, you play them again next weekend
1: for the Big 12 title game. Just how how conscious are you of that from a from a game plan standpoint, and just how unique of a situation is this?
5: It, the, the potential is unique, but I mean it's you know it's on us to win. So uh, I, I approach this like every other one. I mean I, even when we've we've had games before in the regular season where we've already clinched it. You know we've been in that position and knowing we're going to the Big 12 title game and you don't hold back. I mean this you know we don't get 50 of these things. You know we don't get 60 of these things. You only get so many. So whether the and even if the roles were flipped and we were clinched and they were had to beat us to get in, I, I don't think. I don't think I would do one thing different.
6: John Hoover. So uh, are there any, to kind of piggyback on that question, are there any, I think I know the answer, but maybe you could walk me through it, mental, like, logistics that goes into there's a game at 11 a.m. kicking off ahead of yours. You want guys to watch it. You don't want guys to watch it, you know. Uh, Because that'll depend on, that'll obviously have an outcome on what you guys do, depending on if you win or lose. If Baylor loses, you get to go no matter what you do.
5: Yeah, I don't know that we'll pay a whole lot of attention to it. I mean, will we look at a score? Yeah, probably so. Um, But I think the thing, we we just got to deal in the controllables and deal with what we know right now. What we know is if we win the game, um, then, you know, we're where we want to be. And so I, I think that's the most important thing. I mean, Listen, I mean, no, no matter what happens with with that other game, you know, our expectation level is to play well and to win the football game, like like any other game. And so, um, and, and we'll be we would be disappointed if that did not happen, regardless of what happens in the Baylor game. So, um, you know, again, our, our goal, again, our, our, the goal right now, it's not like everybody's walking around saying the goal is, man, let's just make it to the championship game. You know, it's not. I don't know if I've even said that one time to the team this week. I don't know if I've even heard one player say that. I mean, it's just. Let's let's go play well. Let's go win a football game Saturday night at six thirty, and that that's where the focus needs to be.
2: Gary, yeah, Lincoln, against this defense, what do you need most out of Caleb Saturday night? Do you need mistake-free? Do you need him to produce big plays, the kind he's shown? What do you need most out
5: I'll, of him? I'll take all the above. <laughs> um, that, that would all be good. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're you know they're a very good defense. Um, I think the thing I would say for him is just, is I think we need just a, a big stack of routine plays out of him. Um, and and they certainly don't make that easy, but but the more routine plays that he can make, then I think the the big ones from him and from other players on our offense will come that way. Um, and honestly, when he's done that, when we've done that as an offense, we've played pretty well. Um, and, and again, that routine can play can be described a lot of ways, whether it's a run or it's a down the field throw, I mean, whatever it is, we just, we need to be steady and go execute and not make a lot of mistakes because you know, you're playing a group, you know, again, like I referenced, it has so many starts, it has so much experience. You turn in on film and one of the reasons they've played very well defensively, they don't make a lot of mistakes. I mean, there's just not a lot of, you watch the tape and there's not a lot of just gimmies um, where they busted and just gave the offense something you just don't see that much and they're experienced they're well coached and i mean it's kind of what you would expect so uh we need to play the same way you know we don't need to give them any gimmies any big negative plays um and and if i think if we do that we'll have a chance to make our fair share
2: you've gone into this game six straight years with the guy who became the all big 12 quarterback what kind of Kind of confidence do you have in your quarterback this year, in terms of relative to the rest of the quarterbacks? Like I, I have no idea who might be the All Big 12 quarterback this year. I got no clue. If you do, give me a give me a name. But what, your advantage at quarterback has been pronounced over the years against most teams you played. How is that different this year with a young guy who's only played four or five games?
5: Uh, I still have a lot of confidence in him because I mean, I, when he's when he and then we as an offense around him have played at a high level, we've played, we've had. You know, a, a stretch of games, a set of games uh, since he's been a starter, where we've played just as high level as we've ever played. And uh, um, now, have we had some bouts of inconsistency? We have. But again, my confidence comes from the progress that he's making that I see on Saturdays and behind the scenes. Um, and then my confidence comes from I think some of the times when we have not been good. It's not just it's not just us getting our butt kicked. You know, typically it's been kind of within our control and things that we can do, should do better, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, whether it's Caleb, whether it's another player on the offense, whatever. I, I just see it as very controllable. And that's a, that's a good feeling because you know that you can get it fixed. You know you can do it at a high level. And When we've done it, there's been fantastic results, both for him and the whole group.
0: The fact the experience gap, Lincoln Caleb, the last two weeks against Baylor and Iowa State, and of course what he's facing Saturday, is—is is it such that you say, look, don't, don't overthink this, because it's this is a complex deal for anyone to solve. You're you're still, I think he's still a teenager. Okay? No, no. Um, just go play. You know, whether it's like it, you did at the Cotton Bowl or against you know six touchdown game, whatever it was, going through in your mind, free and easy, whatever it was that day, be that guy again. Don't. You go
5: there in this in this matchup, or is that is that overthinking? Cable's overthinking. Yeah, I think I can piece that together. Um, <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, uh, I, I certainly get where you're coming from. Uh, I don't know that. Is, is there times in some of these games, even the games that he's played too well, where he's overthought? That yep, possibly. I mean, he's a young guy. I mean, I think. I think the it, it kind of goes back to Barry's question of, you know, what do you need to play well in this game? And again, I think the thing we we need from him is just to be consistent, to be steady and just to make the routine play. He he's going to just by nature of his skill set and the way he plays, he, he's going to always make a few spectacular plays. I mean, that's just that they just kind of they just kind of built that way. they you're going to have a handful of those, you know, no no matter what. And so the the steadier, the more consistent he can become and play, then I think the more consistent is an offense that will play. You don't play behind the chains. Um, you know, you get drives off to a good start. I mean, kind of all that that goes into playing really good ball. And then your explosives come from that. So uh that, that that's kind of the focus with him. Again, it's it's also new. He's just he's learning. I mean he's just he's taking it in. So I don't I don't know that in a sense that's it's overthinking. I think in a sense he's just he's he's just gotta, I just gotta watch him grow, you know, I'm watching him learn and watching him go through these different experiences. And he's each time he comes out of it, knowing a little bit more, learning a little bit more, how would I handle this if it comes up again, next time I get in a situation, next time I see this defense or next time this happens on this play and every one of them is invaluable. It's just kind of building, it builds confidence. And it's kind of just building a library inside of him that, that where he understands it and knows how to react and, and doesn't have to think so. um just progressing, you know, he's learning. Um, but the, the flip side of that is I do expect him to play very well. I mean, there's, and he's given me a lot of reason to, to expect that right now. With a learning
6: curve, to someone as gifted as he is, frustration sets in, especially if you haven't experienced this kind of thing before. Are you having to take extra time with him to assure that he's, that, that he's not crossing the line in terms of
5: Yeah. And I, and I think that's just part of learning, you know, that's just part of being in some of these, these different unique situations. I mean, you look at, you know, a lot of our guys have been able to go through that at different times. I mean, you know, Spencer had, had moments of that last year, especially in the first half of the year. I mean, go look at the success level of, you know, Baker and Kyler's first year in college. I know it wasn't here, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what it became. Um, And so this, this guy's, you know, he's, he, he's learning like those guys did. He's learning on the fly. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think you just, I think you understand what it is. I think you try to put him in the best position. You let him keep growing. And again, you know, what's on everybody's mind is, you know, the last last couple of games we've been hit and miss offensively. Um, you know, everybody forgets, you know, we've had a lot of moments with this offense, especially the back half of the year where we've lit people up and, and we still, we have that ability, we have that, we have that capability. And so um, that's that's what we're focused on because when we have, and you know, nothing spectacular, but when we slash he have played um, very in control, we've played confident, we've played uh, more mistake-free, we've, we've been a good at offense um, and we'll need to do that Saturday. Cliff? Yeah, Coach, what do you
1: think about what Spencer Sanders has done at Oklahoma State and what the UCS perhaps different about him now versus maybe last year to the
5: yeah, he's, he's really doing a nice job. He's improved. Um, he's improved a lot through the years. I mean, I can, you know, it's kind of like playing some of these quarterbacks that we played, you know, multi-time or, or several times over a multi-year period um, in this league. Historically, you know, you see him play as a young guy and, and then you see him, um, you know, I think probably making a few less mistakes. Um, you know, he's always been a tremendous athlete. I mean, everybody's known that, but he's He's obviously running well and a factor with his legs. And then um, and I do think he's really improved in the throw game. Um, not that he was bad before, but he's, he's he's certainly done some nice things this year. So now they've they've done a good job with him. He's growing and learning. I'm sure going through some that's gone through a little bit of that same process that we just talked about in depth. Mm-hmm. Okay.
6: years ago against you guys he right. was hard last year he got hurt so he, he played sparingly um, this looks like the first time he's at least coming into the game healthy do you do you and i'm curious you talked about his, his running ability with their run game which has become such a, a focus for them that, that's a that's a look you've not seen from him a healthy spencer sanders in, right. in that run game what's the challenge of, of trying to slow that down along with jalen warren and whatever a
5: running back yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely an added kind of an added element that you have to defend. And, you know, we, we have been prepared to defend it the last few years. And obviously, like I said, he got um, I think got hurt in the one last year, didn't play in the, in the one two years ago. But um, he, he's a tremendous athlete. We got a lot of respect for him. They do a great job with their scheme of, of using him and making him a factor in the run game, even if he's not even if he's not always carrying the ball. Um, so, I mean, you've got to respect it. You've got to do a great job defending it. Now that being said, I mean, over the past several years, we've, we've played several athletic guys. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's a challenge that, I think you know what the challenge is. You just got to go do it well. And, and typically when your quarterback's a good athlete, it really, it makes you accountable on all levels of the defense. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, it does change the game in a lot of ways. Thanks. Lincoln, like, you played
6: two really good defenses the last two weeks. This may be the best one. I think it'd be fun to hear you as the OC trying to design something for them. What you see in Oklahoma State, what are you, what are you running into
5: Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, like we said, it's it's one of the more experienced defenses that, man, I can remember coaching against maybe in my entire career. I mean, it's got to be top five as far as the most experienced defenses. I mean, you, you look down the depth chart, it's senior, 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 senior. I think occasionally there's a junior in there, but not very often. Um, and, and, you know, what they've done, you know, they've, they've, they've played at a high level this year. Uh, they've played very consistent. Uh, the, you know, Front's done a good job, you know, creating pressure um, on quarterbacks. They've obviously had a lot of tackles for lost sacks, all that. Um, and they just, they've really played, you know, pretty clean football. You know, haven't given up a lot of big plays, hadn't had a lot of penalties, hadn't had a lot of busts, you know, and so they've made people, when people have moved the ball or scored points, people have had to earn it. You know, and that's what really good defenses do, and they've they've done it. Um, they've, you know, and they've they've, uh, like I said, they've been able to just. It's just been a very consistent group. They've stayed, uh, they've stayed very healthy. A lot of same guys, you know, same scheme. And with with, uh, they they're they've added their wrinkles like everybody does. But um, no, it's a good group, top to bottom. And uh, um, you know, doesn't have, you know, it says you watch them, you don't just see a like a ton of weaknesses on tape. Like they don't have. Uh, an area where you just point to say, man, that air's is just killing them. You know, they all they've got you know good good playmakers at all levels.
0: Justin Martinez, I, mean, I just want to ask about Kennedy Brooks, who had a really good game last week. After uh, I think first hundred-yard rushing game since Kansas, um, you know, especially with Oklahoma State being so good against the run. Just what's it going to take for him to have a, a strong performance, and how big would that be for you guys?
5: Yeah, no, I mean when he's when he's played good, we play pretty good, and and. Uh, it'll be important you know he's had some good games in the past against these guys and have been key to some victories before and then we know this year's a new year new challenge but no he he and our run game are obviously a big part of what we do you know they they obviously help with the with the young quarterback i mean they they you know there's nothing like being able to run the football at a high level on the road and so um no it's important every single week yeah like you said against a group like this that's been uh, that's been good defensively against the run it'll be Know, probably one of the keys to the game.
1: Lincoln, right, hey, after the game, you said Caleb was trying to be really patient and, and maybe it prevented him from pulling it and running a few times. Has he been a guy, just as you've gone through film review, that can make those adjustments very quickly from Saturday to Saturday? Or is it a situation where maybe you put in some more plays that running's an option for him much sooner as he goes through his progressions to kind of get that going for you guys out of the dimension?
5: Uh, not very capable. I mean, I think it's – it's just, again, feel for the game. Feel for how you're being defended. Um, feel for, for what you got to do in given moments to, to move the football and keep us keep us marching down the field. So uh, his capability mentally, physically is, is not an issue uh, really anywhere.
1: Mason Young. Lincoln, Mike Gunney said yesterday he feels like potentially down the road it'd be hard to keep beveling together um, just because of the business side of college football. You and, and also Joe and Joe seemed more optimistic back in August. Do you still kind of feel that optimism, especially given all the scheduling challenges and everything that that presents down the road?
5: Yeah, I, I, would, I would say I do. I mean, I, I don't think, I, at least, not us say we're right, wrong, you know, but I, I would say our, our perspective, my perspective hasn't changed not in any. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of teams that, you know, end up at some point in different conferences and still play a, still play a rival. Um, so, uh, again, I, we, we all know lots changing in college football. Nobody can sit up here with a, with a crystal ball and know for sure. Um, but I would say from our perspective, nothing's changed.
6: Okay, Can't tell back left.
1: Hi, um, so you talk about a lot, this experienced defense and how it's one of the most experienced defenses you've ever seen. The past two games you've been very run reliant and we haven't seen a lot through the air. With this defense being so good against
5: the run, do we expect to see Caleb throw it in the ball more? Uh, I mean, I just I, I, I want us to throw it well. You know, I can't. And really, not that I'm trying to keep anything from an opponent. I just you never know exactly how a game's going to play out. Um, you just call the game as it evolves. And uh, and so I think the biggest thing for us is um, when we do throw it, we want to be we want to be more polished, more efficient, and throw it to the the to our capabilities. And I think if we do that, then we'll have a chance to be productive and it'll obviously help us as an offense.
2: All right. times where the offensive line a pretty good job protecting Caleb and receivers. Is that more him not seeing guys, receivers not getting open? Just how important they going to be for you this week, to throw the ball back to do wide
5: out? Yeah, I mean, I think it takes all. I mean, when we, we go back um, and, and look at some of our, um, our struggles in the throw game here the last few weeks, or times when we have not thrown it as well, uh, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, it's kind of like it, it sometimes is when it's not going good. We've we just hadn't quite timed it out as much, where all three levels—the protection, the quarterback, and the wideout—have all been all been good enough or at a high enough level on 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 each play. Um, again, we're playing a lot of there's a lot of positive things in the throw game, and it feels like. I mean, just the opportunities for some of the big plays that have been, I mean, just, I mean, agonizingly close here the last few weeks. I mean, you go, there's, there's I mean, easily 400, 500 yards worth of big plays that were, that were all of them just inches away. And, but that's this game, and that's this game against good, against good competition. So, uh, no, wideouts are going to have to be sharp. Uh, quarterback's gonna have to be sharp, game plan's gonna have to be sharp, protection's gonna have to be sharp. You do that, you're gonna have a chance to make some plays.
2: All right. In the committee's eyes, you've been sort of penalized for the way you played, and maybe who you played. Looks like maybe that's all out the window starting Saturday night. If you win this game, it looks like to me nobody's gonna care how you win it or anything else. You like where you're at, or you like the possibility that it's set up. We're getting back to the playoffs.
5: Absolutely. And I, I have for, I mean, I have for a long time this year. I've always felt that way. It's, you know, we can't forget the past. You know, we've just, we've been through this so much. And if if you win, things could take care of themselves. People are going to lose games. People are not going to, people are going to fold down in the month of November. I mean, it happens every single year, all these people, these teams that everybody thought, oh, there's no doubt they're going to do this, going to do that. and. It always happens this way, and so you just you just keep winning. Um, I told our team even before last week that the uh, the opportunity in front of our team is probably even bigger than what they think it is right now. You know, however, each one of them before we went and played that game against Iowa State would define. If I went and asked each player, what what do you think the opportunity in front of this team is right now? Whatever their answer would have been, I thought it's probably bigger. I mean, you, it's really. It's really there. And so you just gotta go play. You just gotta go win. You gotta keep improving as a team. And uh and like I said, the good thing for us is we've got a a very strong history uh of doing that. We've got a a lot of guys, uh people in this program that have been a part of that. So I think there's a a a calmness and a confidence that, you know, don't listen to the outside world. Trust if you trust if you just win, all that junk will take care of itself. And so um, we've done that. We've put ourselves in position. You know, now we got to go win this one. You know, Lincoln, you, you had to play your depth in the
6: offensive line in the last game. Where are you at in that? How's your offensive line looking going into this
5: game? Yeah, I think we'll have everybody available. But I thought um, a couple of guys that came in, Conjul, um, did a really nice job. I thought uh, Eric Swenson came in, did a really nice job, like he typically does. So you now it was good to be able to play a few different guys. Um, I think it. It helped us. Um, refreshes those guys a little bit, um, and those guys have, have been practicing well enough that we've we've been wanting to play them. So it was good to get them in, and they both responded well. And I think we'll have those guys as options along with everybody else this week. Eric Bailey, kind of just
6: uh,
2: follow up that. So Andrew Green,
5: right now Andrew's status? Yeah, I would say he's expected to play. And then, yeah. uh questionable right now, but uh, I would say questionable. Yeah, we'll see how the week progresses.
6: You mentioned special teams. Can you sort of describe what happened on the fake punt Saturday where you guys – was it a bust? Did you just not see it coming? Yeah, it was a
5: bad decision by me. I mean, in in that situation, I mean – Sometimes you get caught in these moments where you you, you want to give yourself an opportunity for return, especially when you get a stop back there in the negative part of the field. Um, we did have one player that that busted that would have had an opportunity to 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 make or stall out the play. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of the game you play, you know, and sometimes it's kind of the, the cat and mouse game of, is somebody going to really attempt this um, backed up like that? And uh, in that situation, they did, and they had a better call than we did.
6: Is there anything to uh, you're you're backed up? The season's backed up to playing uh, the three best defenses statistically ranked that you will have played all year. Is there anything to the fact that maybe Oklahoma State's defensive ranking puts them above the others, but you've been building up to where they're at? In other words, Baylor physical brand of defense, Iowa State physical brand of defense. Now you guys are kind of prepared, maybe for this.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think we're certainly us being prepared for it. I think won't be a. Uh, won't be a hindrance. I mean, we get to practice against a really good defense, you know, every day, all spring, all camp. We've played other good defensive teams and now we've kind of, and everybody's a little unique schematically and, the, and these guys are too, but we've been able to expose ourselves to a few different things now. Um, so yeah, no, I think, uh, I think we're set up as we're going to be. We just got to go do it. What follows,
6: Caleb? Are you worried about eye candy that he could be seeing that's, that he might be to not trust his eyes because Jim Knowles is so good at disguising
5: things. Well, he does a good job. I mean, he, he tests quarterbacks. He, he, he will, he, he tests every quarterback on how committed they are. Um, and typically, that's, that's what good defenses do. And, and typically, good quarterbacks respond by not taking the bait, not taking the cheese. Stay focused on uh, executing your offense, doing your job. And that's what he needs to do.
3: This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one. And by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OUOnTheAir. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network.